Thank you for being with us at Destiny Church, where we believe that God has a plan and a purpose and a future for everyone. We don't believe in anybody being an accident, but we believe that we serve a, a sovereign God who rules and reigns and is in control today. Amen. And so there is no detail of our lives that are out of, outside of, of His authority, of, of His control. The Bible says that all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. Amen. And so uh, thank you for being here today. And my name is Matt Bell. I'm the pastor here at Destiny and just want to welcome you and thank you for being with us at Destiny Church today. We're going to spend some time in the Bible today. The Bible at Destiny, we believe, is God's Word. Can I get an amen? Amen. And that through, God's, uh, through the Bible, God is speaking uh, today. He has spoken and he continues to speak uh, to humanity today. And so as we open up the pages of this book, uh, we hear the very words of God. And so we come to the Bible uh, with a great spirit of, of humility, uh, taking the position of a student. We don't stand over the Bible to critique it, but we stand under the Bible and we let it critique us. Amen. And so, uh, you know, the funny thing about preaching and getting messages together is you spend time, you're supposed to anyway, spend time studying and praying and asking for the Lord to give, you know, direction and things like that. And, and oftentimes you, you step out in faith and you believe that you have a direction from the Lord and you get something ready and together and, and like I have done today, Amen, and how I do every Sunday, and then a lot of times, or not a lot of times, but sometimes like today in worship, uh, as you begin to really seek the Lord, it's like the Lord puts something different on your heart, and uh, so today is one of those days where I'm going to uh, depart from my notes, and a lot of people are scared about that, and don't worry, there's nobody more scared about that than the guy standing right here today. Uh, but we're going to, uh, the Lord put something a little bit different on my heart today than what uh, uh, I had originally prepared to share. So we're going to uh, be um, flying blind, or I guess, or whatever. Anyway, so uh, that being said, open to John chapter 8 today. This won't line up with the, the obviously, it won't line up with the presentation. So um, we don't even need to put that up because it's, not going to be applicable to what I have today. Maybe, maybe I can circle back around to what the Lord originally put on my heart, but um, we're going to start here and see where this takes us. Amen. John chapter 8. And before we get into this, we're going to pray because we need the Lord's help. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks. Lord, from the very first verse and page of the Bible, we see that you are a God who declares, you speak. You are a God who communicates. Lord, you have spoken to us uh, through your word. Lord, you've spoken to us through your son, Jesus. Lord, as we come to your words, continue to speak to our hearts today. We want to hear from you. Lord, nobody needs to hear from me, but everybody needs to hear from you today. So, Lord, please take your word and speak to your people today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Okay, John chapter 8. Uh, where, where John is right now, there, there's four Gospels in the, the, the Bible, in the New Testament. These four Gospels, they tell the story of the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And John is in his Gospel. Now we are into the eighth chapter. And this is six months before Jesus... Uh, will be crucified six months before Jesus will hang on a cross uh, for the sins of humanity. And you have to understand that for uh, somebody to want you to be crucified, they have to really not like you, right? I mean, the, the crucifixion was one of the most uh, horrific, uh, torturous uh, ways of, of dealing with bad people that humanity has ever come, uh, come up with. The word excruciating pain, it, it literally means the pain of the cross. 
So when you, you know, stub your toe and you say the pain was excruciating, you might be kind of overstating your case just a little bit. They had to invent a word to describe the pain of the cross, and that is excruciating. And so as we come here to John's Gospel, we're, chapter 8 is, is six months before Jesus is, is put on a cross, and Jesus is now having regular um, interactions with the Pharisees that don't go well. The Pharisees are religious leaders they're supposed to be the leaders of God's people, and they're supposed to lead God's people into God's ways, but they're crooked. They're, they're self-centered, they're egotistical, they're full of pride, and they don't love God. They love themselves, they love their position, they love the praises of men. They're just nasty people. And so we see, like in, in the other Gospels, Jesus will heal someone and they all get mad. Like, what's wrong with you, you know? Like, if you see someone, like, get up out of the wheelchair or someone who has a withered hand and, and Jesus heals it, like, that's awesome. That's something to celebrate. And so Jesus is, is in church and somebody comes in with a withered hand and all Jesus says to them, they're all watching to see if Jesus will heal them, and Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And the guy obeys, and as he stretches out his hand, it, it's healed. And they all get together and say, somebody's got to do something about this Jesus guy. This, somebody needs to put a stop to this. That's crazy, right? But the, these are who the Pharisees are because what they see is that Jesus is a threat to their position, to their, um, their prominence and, and their it's another P word I'm looking for. I can't find it. Maybe it'll come to me in a little bit. Prestige. They have this, this sort of prestigious position, and Jesus is a threat to this. And so in John chapter 8, this stuff is beginning to come to a head. It's these same religious leaders who will get together. They'll put Jesus on a false trial. They'll bring lying witnesses to come uh, against Jesus, which was all part of God's plan. It had all been foretold by prophets centuries before Jesus came, and they will put Jesus on a Roman cross. And so in, in John chapter 8, we see one of the interactions between Jesus and the Pharisees. And in John chapter 8, we also see seven exclusive claims that Jesus makes about himself. And that's what I want us to consider today. I want us as a church to consider these seven claims that Jesus makes about himself. So John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the first claim that Jesus makes that is exclusive that Jesus says that he alone is the light of the world. That without Jesus, the world is living in darkness. Without Jesus, the, the darkness that we are living in is because of sin. It's separation from God. It's breach of relationship between humanity and God. And Jesus says, I am the light that shines in that darkness. I am the light who will give life to humanity. That's huge. That's huge. You know, there's this, there's this lie that, that's taught all the time. It's taught every single day in universities across this country, and that lie is this, that Jesus never claimed to be divine. Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus never claimed... Uh, all of these grand things that Christians believe, that Christians made this stuff up centuries, you know, hundreds of years after Jesus lived. That is a lie. Hear from Jesus' own lips. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you know that Jesus is the light of the world? Do you know that? 
Not, not, is that not just something you stick on a Christmas card, you know, wow, the sentimental feeling, yeah, Jesus, you know, he's a, no, do you know it? Do you believe it? Do, do you believe it in such a way that you've staked your eternity on it? Jesus claims to be the light of the world, and the light that he brings, he says, it will give life, eternal life. The separation and death that we have because of sin, Jesus comes, he says, if you believe in me, I give you life. He says, he goes on to say in verse 13, so the Pharisees say to him, they're going to have this back and forth, you are bearing witness about yourself. They're saying, Jesus, yeah, you, this is what you claim. You claim this about yourself. So, yeah, you can say that about yourself, Jesus, but who do you have to back up this claim? So they, they level two accusations. The first is you're, you're bearing witness about yourself, and the second they say, and your testimony is not true. So they say you're bearing witness about yourself, and you need someone to back up your claims, and secondly, the things you're saying about yourself are not true. Now think about this. The, the Pharisees have had seen Jesus perform incredible miracles. They, they've seen him do things that no man can do. They've heard him teach the word of God. The scripture says that he taught the word of God with authority. And, and Jesus himself later in John 14, he will bring this revelation that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is not, not, not just that the words he speaks are true, but that he himself is the embodiment of truth. And, and these religious leaders who, who their job is to help connect people to God, they stand before God in the flesh. They stand before Jesus and they say, you are a liar. They, they, they do not recognize him for who he is because they have hardened their hearts against him. They say, your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. Verse 15, he says, you judge according to the flesh. He says, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. So now here is the second exclusive claim of Christ that we see in this passage. Jesus says, I didn't come from here, I came from heaven. You don't know where I came from, and it is the Father who has sent me here. Jesus says, I have come to bring the light into the world, and it is God the Father who has sent me on this mission. Pretty exclusive claim. In verse 17, he says, in your law it is written that the testimony of two is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Amen. Amen. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know him, neither, you, he answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also, this is the third exclusive claim of Christ. If you want to know the Father, you have to know Jesus. Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. This is unprecedented. The, 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 the claims that he's making uh, are, are, are not vague they're not hard to understand. They're, they're not, uh, uh, these are, are, are very straightforward, emphatic 
clear claims that Jesus is making. He says, you don't know the Father because you don't know me. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. It says in verse 20, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught them in the temple, and no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Verse 20, so he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? Verse 23, he said to them, you are from below. Verse uh, 23, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Here's the fourth exclusive claim of Christ. I'm not of this world, he says. I'm, I'm not earthly. I'm not worldly. I, I'm, I'm not of this world. I have come from heaven is where I have come from. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. Here Jesus says that the only way to have your sins forgiven is to believe that he is the son of God. You have to believe in Jesus to have your sins forgiven. There's no other way. The, the apostles, as they preached the message of Christ, they preached it this way. They said there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus. Amen. But that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This isn't some sort of exclusive thing that's only reserved for, for the elite or a certain group of people that have financial status or a certain degree of pedigree. No, everyone who will call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Amen. This is, not, this is not something that I've made up. This is not something that the apostles made up. This is Jesus' own words. Jesus says, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. That's heavy-duty stuff. That's heavy, that, it doesn't get any heavier than that. It doesn't get any weightier than that. And these aren't my words. These are Jesus' words about himself. But whoever believes in him, the Bible says, will not perish, but will have eternal life. So they said to him, verse 25, who are you? That's a good question. They're finally asking a good question. Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. He's saying, I've been telling you this all along. You should know by now. He says, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. I declare to the world what I have heard from him. The sixth exclusive claim that Jesus makes, that the words he's declaring, that they're not only his, his words, but that the words of God themselves. That the words that Jesus spoke, the words that Jesus preached, the word that Jesus brought was the word from the Father, that he declares to the world what he heard from the Father. Verse 27, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, speaking of when they would crucify him, that's what Jesus is talking about, when they lift him up on the cross, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. That's the seventh exclusive claim of Christ in this passage, is that everything Jesus did 
always pleased God. Can you say that about yourself? No. Not even close. What a claim. Jesus says, everything I always do and have ever done is pleasing to the Father. This is Jesus' claim of a sinless life. And if it had not been true, at any point, any of these people that he's preaching to multitudes could have stood up and said, yeah, right, Jesus. We saw you when that guy cut you off on his camel and you shot the bird. We saw that. We saw when you hit your hammer with your, your thumb with the hammer in your daddy's workshop and, 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 and you said a bad word and you took the Lord's name in vain. We saw it. There's, there's nobody that stands up to refute this claim that Jesus is without sin. How, like, if you stood up at your family dinner and said, I've got great news for everyone, I am without sin. They'd throw food at you. They'd take you down to, like, the loony bin to go get your brain checked out. Jesus makes this claim, and not only here, he makes it repeatedly. These are the claims that Christ made continuously. These seven claims that he is the light of the world, that he has been sent by the Father, that if you know Jesus, you know the Father, that he is from above, he's not from this world, that you have to believe in him to have your sins forgiven, that he declares to the world that the, the message that he brings is not his own message, but the very word of God, and that everything he always does is pleasing to God. Wow. What a... What a masterpiece of a sermon Jesus gives to these Pharisees. And it says the conclusion of all of this is verse 30, that as he was saying these things, many believed in him. That as the word went out, the Holy Spirit worked in people's hearts, convicted them, and that they believed the word that Jesus spoke. What a powerful example of who Jesus is. Now we're going to circle back around to my first message. Um, next week, we're starting our World Missions Conference. We call it Light Your World. Anybody excited about Light Your World? Yeah, me too. It's going to be a great week of ministry uh, here at the church. And this is actually our 58th annual missions conference, if you can believe that, 58. So that means it was started in 1961, and uh, for some of us, that seems like yesterday. For others of us, that might as well have been when Moses was on the earth, because we weren't alive then. And, you know, putting on this missions conference that we do every year, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a considerable uh, uh, um, effort. It takes a considerable focus. It's a considerable expense of time and energy and effort and resources and money. And in fact, it's not something that most churches do. Uh, the truth is there's only a handful of churches that I know about that do anything like what we're about to do this coming weekend and next week. I only know of a handful of churches in, in America and around the world that do anything like that, like this. And this is something that makes the church really unique. Um, also, something that makes our church, Destiny, really unique is that usually our annual budget for missions is about half the annual church budget. So basically half of every dollar, or not half, yeah, half of every dollar that comes in here ends up going back out to world missions, which is, which is absolutely unheard of in the church world today. Unheard of. It's totally unique. I don't know of any other church that has anything like this, and I think that's pretty amazing, and it's uh, kind of unusual and, and a special thing. And the reason why, you know, why, why do we do this? Why do we go through all this effort? Why do we host this conference? Why do we invest 
so heavily in world missions? Why are we a missions church? The reason why is because we really believe what Jesus said, and that is unless you believe in him, you will die in your sins. We really believe that. We believe that. That's not just something that's in this book that, you know, that's one idea. No, we believe the words of our Lord. We believe the words of Jesus where he says, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. And so missions is taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth so that people might believe upon Jesus, that people might have their sins forgiven, that they might, like at the end of the passage where Jesus was preaching, that they might believe upon him. And so uh, we are a missions church because we believe that this is the way the world is today, that without Jesus, the world is in darkness. And so that's why we call our conference Light Your World, because we believe that all of us and our missionaries, that we have a job to do in taking the light, taking Jesus into the dark places of our world. And so Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, at the end of all four Gospels, we see that he commissions his followers to do exactly this. That Jesus commissions his followers, the Christians, those who have believed upon him, he commissions them with the task of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so I want to read to you today a couple of these accounts from Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus commissions his disciples. Matthew 28, 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain that Jesus had directed them. Matthew 28, uh, verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Say that. Go, therefore. Say it again. Go, therefore. Go and do what? Go and make disciples. The word disciple, it means a follower. Jesus says, go and make followers of me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Jesus says that the Father has given all authority in heaven and on earth into his hands. And he says, in light of that, I am now commissioning you in my name to go and to spread the truth of the word that I brought from heaven to earth. Amen. Amen. Go, therefore. This is Jesus' final address, his parting words. Moments later, he will be carried up into heaven. This is the last statements that he makes before he goes into heaven and he says you need to now go and tell the world the word that i brought go and make disciples of all nations this is known as the great commission, great commission. say that great commission. great commission this is not the great suggestion this is not the great idea. This is not the great maybe. This is a commission that Jesus Christ has given to his church that you and I are a part of today. So every person has a part to play in what God is doing in the earth today. Every person who's a part of Jesus' church must be involved in the great commission not because I say so, but because our Lord says so. Amen. I want to read to you from John's account of this uh, sending. In John chapter 20, verse 19, this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Hey, what a great day that was, the resurrection Sunday. It says, later that evening, the first day of the week, 
the doors were locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews. So the disciples are hiding out. They're afraid. They say, this is what they did to Jesus, and we've been spending a lot of time with him. We've been following him. He's been sending us out to go and preach and heal and do miracles. They know who we are, and if they did this to him, what are they going to do to us? That's not a crazy thought to be thinking, right? And so they are hiding. They are behind locked doors. They've, you know, put the bar down, right? They've, they've stuck the chair up under the door handle, and they're, they're having this huddle of, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Because we don't want that to happen to us. And so they are in fear, the Bible says. They are afraid for what the Jews are going to do to them. And in that moment of terror and fear, remember Jesus had just been crucified on Friday. It's only Sunday evening. Earlier in the day, they had some ladies come and tell them that Jesus' body wasn't in the tomb that he had risen from the dead, and they didn't believe these crazy ladies. They just wrote them off as lunatics. They went and saw the empty tomb, and they said, man, what is going on? But the Bible tells us that they did not believe, and so they're hiding out. What is the, Jesus was crucified. They buried him. Now they've, someone's got his body Mary Magdalene thinks she saw him in the garden, but she was full of seven demons, and <laughs> Jesus cast him out. Maybe there's an eighth one in there that he forgot to get rid of. We don't know. So they're hiding out. They are terrified, afraid for their lives, experiencing a fear that probably most of us in this room have never experienced. I've, I've never lived in fear that someone was out to kill me. I've never, some of you have, I know, I've heard your testimony, and thank God you're in church today. <laughs> Deal's gone bad, and sleeping with a gun under your pillow, and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've heard some testimonies, but the most majority of us have never lived in fear for our lives the way the disciples are right now. And guess what happens in the moment of their fear? Guess who shows up? Jesus shows up. Amen. Jesus comes and he stands among them and he says to them, peace be with you. In the midst of their fear, you might be afraid of other things today. You might be afraid of, of who knows what. But in the moment of your fear, in the midst of your fear, if you will let the Lord in, let him in. Listen to what he's saying to you today. I believe the Lord's saying to you today, peace be with you. You see, we don't have anything to fear because Jesus is alive today. Because Jesus is alive today. It means that he's, he's conquered every enemy, every foe. He has put it under his feet. So we have nothing to fear. He says, peace be with you. And then he commissions them. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And I imagine that's where they all took a big gulp, you know. What? What? Has the Father sent me? now? So, so the Father sent you into the world, and now you're sending us into the world? Like, Jesus, we've got the door locked. We, we're trying to stay inside. We don't want to go out there. Out there is people who are against us. Out there is people who want to kill us. Jesus comes and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And then here's the key that ties all of this together. In verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, a couple days later, as 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 the, the, God's people are gathered together, there's about 120 of them. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And it took, took this group of cowardly, 
uh, I mean, the, the stuff of this group that you read about in the Gospels, they were self-centered, they were egotistical, they, they wanted to have positions of prominence, they wanted to sit on a throne, uh, they were arguing constantly about who was the greatest, but man, when, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, these were transformed men. They, they were transformed from the inside out. Peter, who had denied Christ three times the night Jesus was crucified, he stands up in the very city, in the very spot where they had gathered and rallied against Jesus to crucify him. He stands up in front of the very same people, and he declares to them, you must believe in Jesus today to have your sins forgiven. This Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead and everyone who calls on his name will be saved. And it says that they were cut to the heart and, and, and they believed upon Christ, the same crowd that had screamed Hosanna and the same crowd who had screamed, screamed crucify him is the same crowd who comes and repents before Jesus and 3,000 men on that first Pentecost Sunday give their lives to Jesus and are baptized and become part of the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, it, you have to go. You can't, you can't stay huddled up inside your, your nice little place where you're comfortable. You have to go out into the world and to proclaim to them the truth. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the power of my spirit so that you're able to do it. Because you can't do it in your own strength. We can't do it in our own ability. We don't have the power. We don't have the strength we, we will be afraid if we live in our flesh, but empowered by the Spirit of God. There's this boldness that comes over God's people. Amen. Amen. And an effectiveness that comes over God's people. And so this is why we're a missions church, because as the Father sent Jesus, he has sent us. It's not good enough for us to come and to just hang out on Sundays inside the church. We're to be spreading the good news seven days a week to the world. Amen. It's not good enough to have small groups behind closed doors. Jesus comes in and what he wants to say is, guys, you got to take this message out there. This is why we're a missions church, because we believe that unless people believe in Jesus, they will die in their sins. Without Christ, people are eternally lost. And he has commissioned his church, his people, his body, his bride, you and me to go. We don't go in our own strength, our own power, or our own ability, but we go in the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he has commissioned us to go in his strength, in his power, in his authority, with his spirit. Amen. And so it's all about souls People matter to God. God loves the world, the whole world. Jesus is the answer for our world. It's not just for America. It's for every nation. Amen. That's why we've got the flags of the nations flying around our building to remind us that, that Jesus wants to save, will save. Jesus will save people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, from every people group. When we get to the end of the book, when we get to the book of Revelation, there's a host of people that is innumerable, the Bible says, from every nation, tribe, and tongue that are singing their praises to Jesus. And so Light Your World Missions Conference is a way, it's part of how we get involved in this great commission that God has given us. There's going to be missionaries coming from all over the world to be here. There's about a little over 30 missionaries who are coming. That's awesome. 30 missionaries from every corner of the globe are going to be gathering here starting now all the way through the beginning of next week. And they're coming here to hear from God, to be refreshed, and they're coming here to partner with you. They're coming here to partner with this church because we want to be a faithful church. Amen? We, we, we don't want to disobey these commands from our Lord. There's, there's, really no, there's really 
no wiggle room on this. As a believer, you must be involved in world missions. There's, there's no like gray area on this. You have to be involved. You have to be doing something, the Bible says, Jesus says. And so this is how we do it here at Destiny. We, we put on this annual conference. Missionaries come from all over uh, the world. And this is how we as a church fulfill what the Lord has commanded us. And so this conference is not, all, it's not just for missionaries. Thank you, Brother Beatles. This conference is not just for missionaries. It's, it's about our church partnering with them. Amen. So we got to show up. You're all clapping now. Great. I anticipate you'll all be at the services then. We, we have to show up. We have to be here. We have to uh, uh, partner with them. This is why we're adjusting some of the schedule. So Sunday night is a fellowship night, but it's not just an idle time of, of talking. We, we really want divine connections to be made between you and the missionaries who are here. Amen. That God is putting you together with people who are in, in other countries that are spreading the gospel to partner together. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 10 uh, today. Romans chapter 10, uh, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, this is Romans 10, 9, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you believe that? Amen. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture said every... For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of law, the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 15, uh, verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how... Are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Paul says, you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and if you do, you will be saved, but how can people do this if they've never heard of Jesus? How can people confess on whom they've never heard? How can people believe in someone they've never heard about? What's the answer to that? They can't. And he says, how can they hear unless someone goes and preaches? proclaims the word of God, who, unless someone goes, therefore, and, and follows the commission. And he says, how can someone go unless they are sent? And if you're not part of the going army, you're part of the sending army. Amen. We all have a part to play. We all have a part to play in world missions. If you're not part of the going army, I believe it with all my heart, you are a part of the sending army. And so we host this conference every year. The vision is to partner with those who are going and to bring together the people who are sending. That there can be this partnership that takes place. A partnership, yes, of course, of resources, of offerings, of financial gifts, but also a partnering of prayer, of, of joining together to, to cover those who are out there, oftentimes in isolation, that they would be covered in prayer, to a partnership of fellowship. You know, it, it's amazing today, the world we live in because of technology, even though the, the missionaries are far away physically, they're just at the tap of a button. 
And I would love to see this church rise up as the most encouraging church to missionaries in the world. And it's not that hard to do. All you'd have to do is just get some of their contact info and shoot them an email, shoot them a text, shoot them a FaceTime. Like, I know, I know, I hear the stories. I know what these people are going through on the front line. Like, for example, right now the Perez family, unless God does a miracle, they won't be at our missions conference because they have no gasoline. There's this major gas shortage in Mexico right now. I don't know if you've learned about that or heard about that. Major gas. They only have less than a quarter tank of gas, and there's no gas in the country. And so unless God does a miracle... They won't be here. So Ray called me this week. He said, Pastor, pray for us. We don't know what to do. We want to come to the conference, but we only got a quarter tank of gas. I said, well, we're just going to pray. We're just going to believe God. And that's, not, that's just like one thing of, out of a thousand things I could share with you that missionaries go through all the time. And, and do you know what it would do if, if they got a call that said, hey, we're praying for you. We're standing together with you. We're believing God for you. That, that's huge. I mean, doesn't, it, doesn't that do huge things for you? Right? That's why when we have prayer ministry, like, everybody comes down for prayer because it, it works, it matters, it's encouraging. It doesn't take a lot, but it's kind of awkward to call somebody you don't know, right? And so missions conference is a way to get to know these people for the purpose of continuing to partner with them throughout the rest of the year, not only through financial gifts, but through prayer and encouragement. You can, you can have an incredible impact in the nations, every one of you, by investing in and encouraging a missionary. I think that's awesome. Amen. And I got an amen from Martin, one of our missionaries. I'm not just, it's not just me bearing witness. He's bearing witness with me, right? My testimony is true. So I, I really want to encourage you to take part of our missions conference, uh, to come to the Sunday night reception that we're doing where the missionaries are going to be rotating from table to table, and you're going to get to meet all of them and eat tacos. It's going to be awesome. And then Sunday, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we have services here every night. We're going to have an awesome time of worship, an awesome time of, of God's word being preached I'm bringing in two of my best friends to preach on the night services, Jason King and Mike McCord. These two awesome pastors are going to be here. And they're not just preaching messages for the missionaries. This is, a, this is God's word. God can speak to you also. And so I really want to encourage you in the strongest way possible in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for you to come and to take part of every, every part of missions conference that you can be a part of. We have morning sessions. I know that many of you work and can't be here. That's fine. But, but put it on your calendar. Be here Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And see what God would do. Amen. So um, that's why we're a missions church. Because we believe these exclusive claims of Christ. We believe that unless someone confesses Jesus with their mouth and believes on him in their heart, that they will die in their sins. But if they do, they will have eternal life. And it's our job to send people to go and to preach that message. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that you are the first missionary. Lord, that you came from heaven to earth. You left your place of comfort and glory and you came to a place that was not your home. You came to earth from heaven. Lord, a place where you would serve, a place where you would ultimately die for the sins of the world. Lord, you came from a place that was not your home. You came here to this place which is not your home. You left your place of, of home in heaven and you came here and you brought the word of God. You are a missionary God. And Lord, today as we obey you and we follow you, we continue to take the word of God 
missionaries, they leave their place of home, they leave their place of comfort, they leave their, their, native, their native tongue, their native language, their family behind, and they go with the word of God in their mouth to proclaim it and to preach it because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So Lord, thank you for the, the great richness of heritage and legacy and missions that we have here. Lord, 58 years of, of missions conferences, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in the past, but Lord, you're wanting to do something today. You're wanting to do something in 2019. You're, you have a plan and a purpose for, for this year and for this conference and for these people. Lord, give us a vision for world missions. Give us a vision for world harvest. Give us a, a vision for souls, Lord, who are living and dying without ever hearing the name of Jesus. God, I pray that that would disturb us. I pray that that would haunt us. I pray that that would, would, would wake us up out of our, our lackadaisical attitude, Lord. Lord, you said that to whom much is given, much will be required. So, Lord, help us as a church and each one of us individually to step up to the plate of what you've called us to do in partnering with those who are going. Lord, for this conference that's coming up, Lord, that every detail and every arrangement that has been made and is being made, Lord, that you would oversee that. Lord, that you would bring it to uh, uh, completion as, as you see fit, Lord, it's your conference. We're doing it ultimately for the glory of your name. Lord, for the Perez family who needs gas to get here, we just pray for miraculous provision in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would, would make every provision for them to be able to be here, to come to the conference. Lord, I know that's their heart's desire. Lord, thank you for providing for them. And for everyone else who is gathering here over the coming week, that you would protect them as they travel and as they come, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, thank you for being here today. I'm going to invite our ushers to come. If you did make a pledge for our missions conference, you can definitely include that in the offering today. And the offering is part of how we continue our worship to the Lord. Uh, worshiping the Lord is through obedience, and as we give in the offering, it's an act of our obedience to the Lord today. And we know that God is faithful and just, and that he blesses us when we give, and so we give today not to be blessed, but when we do give, we do expect a blessing from the Lord today, and I know that you are a blessed people, and I believe that. Father, thank you for uh, the resources that you've entrusted to us. Lord, you are, have been so good to us. You have blessed us so richly, Lord. Lord, today we give back a portion to you of what you have given to us. We ask that you would use it, that you would bless it, that you would break it, that you would multiply it, that you would uh, use it to extend your kingdom and your glory in the earth today. In Jesus' name, amen.